Hello and welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Cole Almodova. And Hayden, are, are you hearing my voice through those headphones? Is it registering? Not really. On this mic? Okay. So, no. it's our last our last day in the Bill Austin radio station and it appears one of the mics is not working. Oh, God. Still a ton of great memories in here. I'm just probably going to have to speak louder so it registers on those other two mics. But uh, we'll make it work. It looks like... <laughs> I'm, I'm registering just enough. Okay, there we go. So that'll that'll do something. They probably just didn't hear the intro, but uh, yeah, guys, the last episode in the studio. So many memories. It's surreal. This is this is where it all began, but not even I guess it all began in the edit bays just outside, and you know, getting getting to be in the studio these last couple years has been a blast. Obviously, you know, because of that COVID year, sophomore year, we kind of got robbed of an extra year in here, but. It's been fun. A lot of great memories. We've had a couple fun guests in here, mainly family members and stuff, but uh, <laughs> it's been good. You know, the phone call segments, those were also fun. Getting a rally to call into the show. Yeah, uh, Some of the Almodovas as well. Uh, just overall great memories here, and it'll be, it'll be missed, but, you know, n nowhere to go but up for Pacific Point of View. Lots, lots more to come. Love this place. It's a second home, man. Where's, where's our COVID eligibility? True. Honestly, we sh where's our fifth year? Where, where is our extra year? That's what I'm wondering. I'm, I'm confused by that. But uh, uh, what better way? I'm going to take these off because they're not really doing anything for me right now. Uh, what, what better time to unveil the first ever Pacific Point of View merch than now? Uh, well, you brought I, it. I, 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 I accidentally forgot to bring these for a couple of days. Here's my hat, Cole. I stole yours from your room. Oh, thanks. So you can be involved in Hayden. Here Let's you go. Let's go. We have our official Pacific Point of View hat. How about it? Pacific hat of you, if you will. Uh, <laughs> how about that, boys? And this, this is, is sick. Wavy, Ikaika, what's his name? Wally. Wally? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Wally, but... Weedy, Ikaika, whatever. Exactly. Whatever you want to name him. Uh, that's what he is. Maybe my mic's working now. Let's see. Nope, still not working. But mic one is broken, but the show must go on. Let's go forward to our Wheaties, where today we're going to talk about the best thing you saw during the draft. And before that, let me just shout out my dad, actually, because my dad is the one who got these hats made. Let's so go! Shout out dad, as I know him, or Kirk. Kirk Budge, as as others might know him. Uncle but, Budge. But there we go. Uncle <laughs> Budge, friend of the program. Uh, so let's start with Wheaties. Best thing that you saw from the draft. There were a, a couple good things I saw. How about the Houston Texans? I felt like they were very aggressive going up and getting their guy in Will Anderson after drafting C.J. Stroud. So I think stock is up for Houston. A lot of excitement around that organization. Excitement that hasn't been there in a while. So granted, they, they uh, got the pick for my Cardinals. I think it was a win-win. I also liked that, how the Cardinals were able to get a ton of draft capital. They still got a really good offensive lineman. So... The Texans and the Cardinals really impressed me. Um, outside of Will Levis's girlfriend, uh, North Dakota State offensive tackle Cody Mock. Okay, he got drafted to the Buccaneers. Uh, have you guys seen what this guy looks like? He is missing his front two teeth. Wow. He has long red he hair. He looks like a fictional character from like where the wild things are, who just got drafted <laughs> to the NFL. Just an absolute goober. 
Okay, uh, I I just hope people can hear me. I, I hear the I see the levels adjusting. Levels. Yeah, maybe we could do one of those or something like that. I move over here. Yeah. This is this is the first in our last day. I know. Is one of the mics just straight up not working. Uh, best thing I saw at the draft: Luke Musgrave getting selected from Oregon State to my Green Bay Packers. So a hey. pretty big move there. I'm gonna be excited to see that man in green and yellow, which I never thought would be the case. But uh, with every good thing that maybe we saw during the draft, there's also some stuff you probably saw that maybe you weren't as excited about. So, uh, Hayden, why don't you let us know, what was the worst thing you saw during the draft? Honestly, after the Cardinals got Paris Johnson, I kind of tuned out. Um, but I did see that Will Levis did not get taken, and a lot of people were you know, gung-ho on him being a, a top-four pick. And I thought he was going to go fourth overall to the Colts, yeah. um, even though I drafted Anthony Richardson in our amazing mock draft. I thought for sure there was no way he was falling out of the top ten. And I kind of felt bad for him, not going to lie. ESPN was following around with the cameras all night. I saw in some of the highlights. So sucks for, for Levis, but ends up getting taken with the first pick in the second round. Same thing happened to Derek Carr. He got taken with that same exact pick with the Raiders and had a decent career there. There, so uh, Zero players from the University of Hawaii got drafted <laughs> for the third straight year. Uh, it just sucks not to see the school you love uh, be represented on the national stage. The last guy was Cole McDonald in 2020 for the Titans, um, but hopefully we get one next year. Yeah, uh, also the Will Levis piece. Uh, it, it's just a case where I think you saw ESPN just completely fabricate out of thin air Will Levis, number one overall draft pick. Will Levis, first round prospect. Will Levis, best quarterback prospect. And anyone who is following college football knows that story came out of nowhere. You're like, what are you talking about? It's not an Anthony Richardson case where you see him on the field displaying all these insane abilities. It's like, this is the guy that lost the job to Sean Clifford? Yeah. And then they make it a huge story when he isn't taking number one and they show him and humiliate him in front of everyone. Yeah. That is so dumb. If you asked me before the draft, before any of this Will Levis hype even started, like, hey, is what do you think about Will Levis getting picked in the second round? I'd say, oh, that's that's pretty high for Will Levis. Yeah. Like, I think that was pretty good. But they humiliated the man, it feels like, for the dough. That's what it felt like. That I, I totally agree. Do you guys think if Hendon Hooker had stayed healthy, he would have been kind of a consensus better prospect than Will Levis? Uh, I think that might have been close. Hooker, Hooker is just also pretty old. That is true. That's the only thing there. But it'll be interesting to watch. We will watch their careers with great uh, curiosity. Let's get to the big picture. And here are the draftees by conference. SEC ended with 62, which led all conferences. The Big Ten had 55, ACC 32, Big 12 30, Pac 12 27, American 10, MAC 8, CUSA 7. What are your big takeaways? Wait, where's the is the Mountain West not on here? We're not in that list. We had five though. Mountain West. Okay. Five. Regardless, they they, they were at the five. bottom. They were at the bottom. Exactly. That's my takeaway. The Mountain West, I just feel like, really has kind of fallen off in terms of developing NFL talent. Like, when I think of the prime years of Boise State, the prime years of, I mean, this is going way back, but Utah, you know, cranking out Alex Smith, I always feel like 
you know, 10 years ago, there was at least one or two pretty decent prospects coming out of the Mountain West. Jay Ajayi is another one that comes to mind. Devontae Adams that just keeps coming. We haven't really seen anyone come out of the Mountain West recently. And him too. And especially uh, especially this year with just the five guys taken. So kind of sad to see how the the little brother conference, if you will, on the on the West Coast has has taken a fall. Yeah, I had some notes on the Mountain West too. Last year they had 11 guys, you know, this year five. It's their second lowest since 2014 when they had um, 16 players drafted. Um, it, it just goes to show that the MAC, the American, the CUSA, they've all caught up to the early success in the Mountain West. And then on the rest of this, I'm like, wow, the talent gap in college football in terms of draft picks, it's just simple math. I mean, if you do the Pac-12 times two, that equals the Big Ten. If you go the ACC plus the Big 12, that equals the SEC. <laughs> and so I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, those two conferences are way ahead of the game here. Yeah, I mean, this this list is an exact parallel to how much money the conferences are making. Like, nearly. I think maybe the ACC makes less than the Big 12 and Pac-12, but as far as who's getting the most money out of these media rights deals, it is like, yeah, SEC and Big 10, clearly the top dogs and obviously getting the most guys to go pro. So, uh, And then obviously, yeah, Mountain West is what sticks out. You're like, where are they? Where are they? They're not even on the list. A uh, couple polarizing players in the draft, and while we might not have the best pulse on the NFL, we do have a pulse on how these guys did in college. So based on what you've seen from them or how you project them to do, will these guys be, work out in the NFL? We'll start with the obvious elephant in the room, Will Levis. You know, I kind of originally put yes, but the more I think about it, it I mean, I guess it depends on what standard you hold him to. I don't think Will Levis is going to be a guy who's going to come in and be a playoff caliber quarterback. I could kind of see him being maybe like a Case Keenum, right? Someone who has their moments. They'll, you know, have good seasons in their career. Maybe they start as a backup, take over, have some success. I don't think he's going to be like a must start, you know, quarterback who's going to get a multi year, multi million dollar contract at any point. So. Based on the hype we saw coming into the draft, kind of like you mentioned, no. But if you take away the draft machine and all the hype that that created, I think he could carve out an okay career for himself. Sometimes everything works out for the best here, and I think getting drafted by the Titans matters a lot. I mean, they're weaning off of Tannehill. Malik Willis looks like he's not going to work out. And so if he feels slighted that he wasn't drafted by the Colts, well, he's going to get an opportunity to play them twice a year. I think he's going to have an opportunity to show that you know he can be a starting quarterback in the league but he will have to develop yeah i mean i think honestly to your point Colt, pretty ideal situation yep. for a young quarterback you have the best running back in football running the football that is going to definitely help you and allow you to just grow and develop and you're gonna have to battle with malik willis but you win that job that is probably one of the easiest jobs easiest roles as a quarterback as far as like a game manager which could be what they're hoping Will Levis will be. But we've got another quarterback. I believe he was it the third round he got selected in. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I, I don't really see Stetson carving out much of a career in the NFL. I just I think he was a system quarterback in college. Obviously, he had some tools. He uh, you know, he's mobile, a, a lot more mobile than people give him credit for. Obviously, he's a leader. Um, I just 
I think there's a reason he stayed in college for as long as he could, and I think he recognized that while he might have somewhat of a future in the NFL, it's not going to be as like a starter. So, you know, I think he'll be he'll stick around for a couple years. And uh, but I, I could be convinced otherwise. It looks like uh, no, I see this the same way. This okay, is what I okay. <laughs> he was like gearing up for it. I was like, oh boy, he'll have one chance. It'll be like a Sunday night football game for the Chargers, and Justin Herbert's gonna be ruled out with an injury, and Bennett's gonna have to come in is, on short on the Rams on, on the Rams, and he'll have to light it up <laughs> uh, and come in and look amazing. He's gonna have that one chance. But you know, the odds have been stacked against him his entire career. He was a walk on right at Georgia. And so he'll figure it out. He was. He was. Uh, I, I just I look at the last quarterback that came into uh, the league with multiple titles, or not the last, but one of the last that comes to mind, and that was A.J. McCarron. Very mm. similar. Mm. A guy that won multiple titles, and so you couldn't argue with that in college, but wasn't necessarily blowing your mind with his stats. I think McCarron got drafted in a similar range. So I could see Stetson carving out a successful backup career, maybe a future XFL oh! star. Yeah, how about that? Uh, next up, we've got Jalen Carter. Some questions off the field, but the Eagles said, we would like to become the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, they they certainly uh, modeled their defensive line uh, after after the Georgia's. Um I'm on the fence with Jalen Carter. Carter. <laughs> Jalen Carter. Leaning yes. Leaning yes. He he has the raw talent, but that only goes so far in the NFL. And, you know, for every Aaron Donald, you get a Robert Kimdichie. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so um, we'll see. I'm leaning yes. I think if you put him in the right situation, obviously the Eagles coming off a great season. I think he... He's going to be able to step in there and be productive, not having too many expectations. The reason I bring up Kim Dietschy is because he was a guy was dominant at Ole Miss, character issues, got picked up by the Cardinals, was penciled in to be the D tackle number one, was supposed to be, you know, this generational nose tackle, and just kind of flamed out. So, some are saying that this happen. guy might have been the best player in the draft, and he's going to a team that was a quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. So I think either way. He will experience a lot of success early on in his career, and being amongst his Georgia Bulldog teammates will only help for the culture. Maybe it'll help the off-the-field issues. Yeah, I I think from a scale of Robert Kimdichie to Aaron Donald to Jadavion Clowney, he's right. more in between Jadavion Clowney and Aaron Donald. Yeah. And <laughs> allow me to translate. I think that the off-the-field issues will not affect him that severely. Yeah. I think there could be some flare-ups from time to time, but I see him becoming an all-pro level defender at a certain point, uh, and he'll probably be dominant by the time he gets his feet under him in the NFL, So, especially in a system like the Eagles. This was a racing the car situation, right? It was, yeah, yeah it was. But then driving. also, it was followed by the That's the fast. drama behind him gaining weight, going into like the combine and stuff like that. But. He did obviously just experience a very traumatic event, so I think that's what I credit that to. And he's surrounded by his Georgia teammates, so that'll probably help. Uh, Bijan Robinson, hook them horns. Yeah, this guy's going to be a generational talent at running back. I, unless I'm thinking of forgetting anyone, maybe the biggest prospect since maybe Saquon that I can think of coming out of college. Uh, look, the guy, we saw him in person. I mean, he's he's elite in every sense of the word. He can do everything for you. You watch his highlights, you know, smart runner, uh, great speed, very physical. The only problem with 
him going to the Falcons is that Arthur Smith runs a really weird offense. You might recall they drafted Kyle Pitts fourth overall a couple years ago. He kind of went silent last year before getting injured. He, They basically used him as a decoy. So from like a statistical or even like a fantasy football perspective, I would say temper your expectations only because of the, the him being on the Falcons. But if you look at B. John Robinson just as a running back, he's a can't-miss prospect, and he's going to ball out. You mentioned the Falcons. I feel like this is going to work out for Bijan because he's on the Falcons. I had Tyler Algier on my fantasy team last year, and he's nowhere near the caliber of football player that Bijan is, but hmm. he he definitely racked up some runs. Can you not um, see hey, me? Yeah, Hayden. I can't see Hayden. Hayden I can't see Hayden, but Hayden can't see Cold, so we're having I can some, see you. some Riverside technical issues. What is going I'm sure, on? I'm sure we'll figure it but out. You know what was weird, though? I was trying to use the ASU Wi-Fi, and it wasn't really working that well either. So, so I you went to a different one? Like, oh, we're, it's graduation week, and we're going to cut it. They're slacking off. on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Budget cuts around here. Ridiculous. What's going Cut- on, ASU? Blaze is throwing everything Cutting our studio. Yeah. Even that mic doesn't even work. Mic yeah. doesn't work. We're, we still got the $2 headphones in here. Maybe it's not all bad. That we're There's an the invisible studio. line on the table that's yeah. kind of nasty that moves from the floor <laughs> to the table. I don't know who said that was a good idea. Uh, uh, anyways, yeah. Bijan, I think because he's on the Falcons, if Tyler Algier can run the ball pretty effectively, Bijan Robinson will be fine. I agree. I think he reminds me of what Christian McCaffrey can do. He can catch, he can run, he can do good things with the football in his hands. And then we have Jalen Hyatt, a guy who won the Bolitnikoff Award for Best Receiver in College Football, but found himself slipping to the day two in the draft. Yeah, really weird to see him fall that far. Also, you know, as a wide receiver, he does not remind me of DK Metcalf, but it's a very similar thing where DK, when you looked at the tape and you you looked at the physical attributes and everything that comes with DK Metcalf, you're like, this is a can't-miss generational wide receiver talent, but he fell to, like, the second round, and the Cardinals took Andy Isabella over him. I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, okay. So, Jalen Hyatt, I do think, is going to carve out a nice career. I think, you know, the fact that he fell so low is kind of a head-scratcher. I don't know if he's going to be a generational talent like a DK Metcalf, but I think he'll have a nice career. He might be the steal of the wide receivers for me. So, I looked at this. He weighed 176 at the Combine. He's now 183 at the Pro Day. He's aiming for 190. So, he's still trying to fill into his frame, trying to get bigger. And he told Daniel Jones that he, quote, can get open 24-7. We saw that at Tennessee. Yeah, obviously the Giants are starved for pass catchers, so that's great. He's going to join the great Isaiah Hodgins catching Mm, the football over there, which is great. But I I don't know. I don't know with Jalen Hyatt. Him slipping to that point, is is there something that we don't know? And I know that people are critical about his route running abilities. They they think he's just like a uh, sprint in a straight line type guy, like Mm. just throw it up and he'll get under it. And... I mean, I don't know, man. He he got a lot of his production from that Alabama game, which was against Alabama, to his credit. But I don't know. Like, him slipping is definitely curious. And uh, I know people just weren't high on that receiver class. Obviously, the NFL teams weren't because there was no receiver taken, like, 20 picks into the draft. There were two running backs taken before a receiver. I don't ever remember seeing that, to be honest, unless maybe, like, maybe the year that it was – were Henry and McCaffrey in the same class? Yeah, Henry was went in the second round, though. 
So even yeah, Henderson, I, I don't remember I the last time I saw two running backs go before a wide receiver. Yeah. So I, I can't recall. Yeah, but uh, back to the realm of current college football. The transfer portal window is closed for players looking to enter it. Players, there are still a bunch of guys floating around in there that have to commit to a roster by May 15th, but most rosters are pretty much set, meaning the college football picture is coming into focus. And as it comes into focus, what is an under-the-radar team that you think is capable of winning the national championship this year? All right, this is a team that we actually already gave our predictions for, and I didn't predict them to go to the national championship, but the Washington Huskies... If everything breaks right for them, they should go 12-0. And with their high-powered offense, returning Michael Penix Jr., returning Romo Dunze, that could be a generational, one of the greatest quarterback-wide receiver duos if they both click and if they build off of what they were able to do last season. Because if there's room to go up from there, look out. They've got depth up front. They've got depth in the backfield. Obviously have some of the best play-calling uh, in the entire country, um, and the only they got some question marks on defense, but still plenty of talent to go around. So if everything breaks right for them, t- I could totally see 12 and 0. And uh, once they make it to the playoffs, hypothetically, I think they have the weapons and the brains to outduel other teams. It's a matter of you know if their defense can hold up. With that, watch them go eight and four. But uh, you know, I think I think Washington. Could do some crazy stuff this year. I think one of the most underrated moves of the entire offseason, I guess I get closer to the mic, yeah. <laughs> is Ryan Grubb saying no to Nick Saban oh, and yeah. staying with. The, what that says, not only about Ryan Grubb's commitment to the program, but the strength of that program right now, like that is pretty scary. I think the list of teams that can win a natty, right, are very small. So when we say who's going to win the natty, I have to think, can you beat Georgia or Bama? And so even though this is going to sound lame, it's realistic to me, and that's Clemson. They've missed a playoff in back-to-back years. So they're going to come in hungry, and the regular season schedule is good enough to lose a game, and all their tough games are at home outside of South Carolina. Also, their offensive coordinator was the guy at TCU. His name is Garrett Riley. Ooh, yeah. This guy is unbelievable. And if you figure it out with Cade Klubnick and Riley, I think Dabo Sweeney's got a great offense going into this year, and their defense is still great. Yeah, defense still loaded. Will Shipley, the running back, one of the best in college football right now. And if Klubnick lives up to the hype, certainly possible. I've got a team that plays Clemson this year, and that is Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Sam Hartman could absolutely oh, yeah. transform this offense. Yeah. They have the strength of schedule where if they go 11-1, and one, they don't need a conference title game. Exactly. They play Clemson, they play USC, they play Ohio State, and they have nine Power 5 opponents total, including Louisville, Wake Forest, Duke, I think Pittsburgh, several teams that could break out and be top 25. Uh, the offensive line returns to full strength this year. They maybe lost one or two guys, but instantly replaced them in the portal. And having those guys to protect Hartman and the weapons he's got, and the defense returns 74% of their production from last year. It was a great defense. You talk about a team that just has the talent level on their roster. Notre Dame is one of those teams. People always point out to the fact that they always lose in the playoffs. But I'm telling you, all it takes is one win. If TCU can win a playoff game, Notre Dame can win a playoff game. And when I think of a team that can win multiple, I just think Notre Dame has enough of that talent and the Sam Hartman effect. I just think that it's there. I can see it. Sam Hartman Heisman? Sam Heisman. 
Just get it, get it oh, trending. Okay. That's not a prediction, but if they <laughs> if they make the playoff, he's going to be in the t- in those conversations. I always felt like Notre Dame was an offensive superstar away from being able to get over the hump, and Sam Hartman, who is now the best Sam H in South Bend. No longer North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I seriously think that's going to be such a huge difference maker for them. I really do. Talk about something that aged like fine wine. When Sam Howell was still considered the best guy, we were already saying Sam Hartman was the best Sam H in North Carolina. We, like we did. That was that was a, a beautiful take mm. uh, by this podcast. I'm proud of us for that one. Yes. Uh, we've got portal news as usual, some national portal news, some weird portal news. Um, a Power 5 quarterback competition, Thomas Castellanos, former three-star to Boston College. He could replace Emmett Moorhead, who's thought to be the starter. Colt, will this matter at all? I wrote down, I think this is the most we've ever <laughs> talked about Boston College on the history of this show. Okay. Uh, another big one that I didn't have written down but did happen, Casey Thompson finally transferred from Nebraska, meaning uh, Jeff Sims has won that job. Casey Thompson visiting Auburn's campus yesterday. These Auburn guys, I swear everyone's linked to Auburn. <laughs> I named like three quarterbacks last week that were also talking to Auburn. Peyton Thorne, too? Yep. So Crazy. so that this is the deal with Peyton Thorne. So Peyton Thorne enters the portal at the same time as Keon Coleman. At first glance, and the prompt I sent is, hey, where do you think Coleman and Thorne could go to help out a team? And we could, we'll could, we get to that in a second. But supposedly the story behind that is somebody approached Keon Coleman and said, hey, uh, if you want to improve your draft stock, you need a better quarterback thrown to you. So he went to the portal. And then Peyton Thorne saw that Keon Coleman went to the portal and thought, I agree, let's team up. So he entered the portal, and Keon Coleman doesn't want to play with Peyton Thorne. So they're both oh. in the portal now, and Thorne's like, or Coleman's like, oh, I don't want to be with this guy. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> that's an ugly awkward. breakup. That's really awkward. Um, damn. That's brutal. <laughs> that's brutal. But where do you think they could go? That would help. So as a, as a duo? Yeah, you know, maybe if they decide. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, this might be the lazy take, but I'm going to say Auburn just because there's no obvious quarterback there right now, and I feel like you know you can never have too much wide receiver depth, and it always helps a quarterback getting into a new system if he has someone there that he knows. So I could – obviously I don't think they're going to link up at Auburn, but if they did, I think that would be a good fit. Did you look this up, like the Auburn thing? Yeah, it's on Twitter. Yeah. Lots of people are talking about it. Peyton Thorne is buzz, is, has buzz with Auburn as well. Mm. Yeah. And so I saw Keon Cole <laughs> is rumored with Florida State. I saw that one as well. That is That would be crazy. My answer to the question, though, I think if we're talking impact together, you want a solid offensive coordinator. And I was looking at Baylor. Jeff Grimes. He's a very legit OC. Um, an underwhelming Blake Shapin last year. They're competing with yep. a Mississippi State transfer, Sawyer Robertson, for the starting job. But if these two were a package deal, I mean, not only would Jeff Grimes get a head coaching job next year, uh, these two could be legit to getting Baylor back to the New Year's Six. I also looked at the Big 12, and, I, you know, for the for the sake of the thought exercise, this yeah. was after I saw that they, they probably hate each other. Um, <laughs> I think they could re- revamp a group of five team. I didn't mention one specifically. But in terms of the Big 12, let's put them in Houston. Yeah. How about Houston? Not? Losing Clayton Toon, losing Tank Dell, they need an identity. They don't have a quarterback right now. Donovan Smith, who was the back of a Texas Tech, is their guy. He was very underwhelming last season. So... 
Thorne goes there, Coleman goes there, that's an instant duo and identity on offense, and who knows? They could put up the same numbers that those other guys just put up. I mean, they're probably higher-rated prospects. I didn't double-check that, but it would make Houston an intriguing team in the Big 12. And it's the Big 12, so anything can happen. True. Literally anything can happen. <laughs> Thorne could win the job and then get injured week one, and then Donovan Smith comes in and is a Heisman prospect. Correct. So, be ridiculous. Uh, so that's it for, for the transfer portal news. Actually, I'll save that for the Pac-12 section. Uh, we're going to jump into a new segment called, What Are They Cooking? Okay? <laughs> we're going to look at some of the teams that have been operating in the transfer portal under the national radar that have been cooking something up in the transfer portal. Oh. Hayden, who did you discover? This is a program, right? This is a program that's been cooking in yes, the portal? Okay. <laughs> We're going to come at it with a, from a, a biased but also a factually substantiated opinion here. Arizona State. Arizona State has been cooking in the portal. They have obviously lost a ton of talent, but the talent they're bringing in is elite. You know, you guys have heard some of the names I've been bringing up. The wide receiver, you know, Xavier Guillory, among others. But guess what? They're still going after more wide receivers. They just hosted Caleb Burton this week, four-star Ohio State transfer. They made Jordan Tyson an offer. So if you bring in those two guys, I mean, I, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the list here. of Cam Scadabo. Cam Scadabo, the running back. You brought in DeCarlos Brooks. You brought in Jake Smith, who's a former big-time prospect. They brought in, uh, what's his name, Clayton. The last name's escaping me. Tune. But <laughs> don't forget Troy O'Meara. He was Texas receiver. Right. He looked like a beast in the spring game, even though he didn't make too many plays. He was big. Right. I mean, this this is a team. Clayton Smith. That's the name. He was a former five star out of high school, Ooh. playing edge rusher. He signed at Oklahoma. ASU picked him up, and I saw him making moves in the spring game. He was he was making a lot of plays. But the big thing with ASU is they brought back a ton of Arizona guys. So I think that's really going to pay dividends, keep the team close. They can, you know, get through some tough times since a lot of these guys played with each other and stuff beforehand. So I'm very excited about with what ASU cooked up in the portal. The first thing I did to answer this question was I went to the on three transfer portal <laughs> index score. And then I scrolled down a little bit and I was like, why is Indiana in the top 15? Did a little research. They got two four-stars and eight three-stars. Holy cow, including an <laughs> offensive lineman from TCU, like a four-star running back that initially was at Ohio State. Quarterback, Taven Jackson, he's an Indiana native. He's the brother of Trace Jackson Davis on oh, the basketball team. Okay, Superstar potential. So Taven transferred from Tennessee. So that's a great QB room that he was leaving. Tennessee. Go, and this go balls. Other guy, Dequise Carter, he's a wide receiver that caught for over 3,000 <laughs> receiving yards Whoa. and 31 touchdowns at Fordham last year. This was a team that went 4 and 8. Uh, Tom Allen is on the hot seat. Yes. <laughs> this is a team competing for fourth in their division. Why are they getting all these great prospects? Lord, how many guys did they lose? That's the that's the question. Maybe uh, they lost a few, but they're still 13th in the index score. So. Okay, so they, they did net pretty well. Um, well, Colt, since you've completely given up on the little guy, I've decided I'm going to look out for them. <laughs> you've left them in the dust. SMU, amongst all transfer portal classes, they have like a top 10 transfer portal class. 
They have been absolutely cooking. And you you see the big name Tanner Mordecai and you assume, ah, they're falling apart. They have like a top 10 class. That's more of like an asterisk, a note I wanted to mention because that's kind of on the national radar. Bennett Meredith commits to Charlotte. I watched that guy at the ASU spring game. He was quick. He looked good. good. And Charlotte has now landed 29 transfers in the portal. Do you know why? New head coach Biff Poggy. One more time? Biff Poggy. He coached at St. Francis Academy and went straight from St. Francis Academy High School to Charlotte. And he is now landing nothing but St. Francis Academy and former players that were under him. And he's gotten 29 transfers. These aren't schmucks. These are power five guys. He is getting to come to Charlotte. So it's like, what is he, what is he building? Like, you go to on three, look, it's like 60% of the guys, St. Francis Academy, St. Francis Academy, St. Francis Academy. I, I, I've never seen anything Bruh. like it. It is unreal. What conference are they in this year? Uh, they're moving to the American this oh, year. Oh, wow. And then you've got Texas State. Texas State has landed 20 guys in the portal, including Arkansas's backup quarterback, Malik Hornsby, who's a track star, former four-star quarterback, and they just landed a five-star offensive tackle from Oklahoma. So I just had to shout out my boys, Texas State. But a couple of group of five schools, if you're looking for some quick cash on some of those early lines, keep an eye on Texas State and Charlotte. While we're on the little guy, I went to Pandas before this. Okay. And I got a really good orange chicken plate, but it came with a fortune cookie. And inside my fortune was root for the underdog. Oh. No, so I'm back on the okay. little guy, boys. Okay. How about that? There we go. So there's a couple underdogs to keep track of. Uh, follower bold predictions are back. We've got another nice little crop here, uh, including a former Pacific Point of View member leaving a hot take of his oh own. Uh, and oh, yeah. As, as we do it, we're going to go through and we're going to rank each one of these on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not bold at all, 10 being bold. I think I have 9 of them here. Let me double check. Yeah, we have nine of them. So we'll start off with the former Pacific Point of View superstar, Jared Ray. Yo! At Jared Ray's 43, who says Drake May will win the Heisman. Wow. You know, I've always been a big Drake May believer. It's going to be tough this year, but something we've talked about is how the voters are usually pretty hesitant to give the same guy the award twice. So I really don't feel like Caleb Williams is, is – I mean, he's obviously in the running, but do we really think he's going to win the Heisman again? I'm going to go with a solid three here. Whoa. I'm going to go with a solid whoa, whoa. three. Drake May to win the Heisman, not bold at all. Wow. I wow. could very well see it happening. I'm going to okay. go six. I feel like it's not impossible – and I don't. I actually am leaning toward uh, Caleb Williams not winning the Heisman. I just don't think it'll be Drake May because you've got to go out and earn it and kind of change how we view you right now. You have to be better than you were last year to break through and be like, yeah, you're the Heisman guy. I think we already know what we're going to get out of Drake May. So Sam Hartman's storyline would be a lot cooler, and he would win it over May. Uh, I'm going to put an eight on this one. Oh, okay. Wow. And I, that, <laughs> I, think that, I think that is due to the regression that we're going to see from North Carolina. North Carolina had the worst defense in the ACC last year. I don't know if you guys knew this. I did some research on North Carolina recently. Mac Brown runs the most bizarre defensive staff ever. He has Gene Chizik as an assistant head coach, but like assistant defensive head coach. So he's like the head coach of the defense. And then he has two co-defensive coordinators. So it's like a three-man hierarchy of like 
defensive coaches, <laughs> and they there? were all there last year, and they were the worst defense in the that ACC. sounds very Herm Edwards-like. Yes. Yeah. So that's a red flag for me, and then you look at, they lost a few NFL-caliber receivers, and they also lost their offensive coordinator. Oh, North Carolina's offensive I, coordinator left. I didn't know this. So I didn't know and so, this. So that's what it is for me, is okay. they, they lost their offensive coordinator. Hmm, who are some other ACC quarterbacks that exploded and then lost their offensive coordinators? Tyler Van Dyke? Brennan Armstrong, a couple of guys that were getting okay. Heisman buzz around this time last year. So, the, to me, the proof is in the pudding. You look okay. at what happened with similar situations. I'm going to put an eight on Drake May. I'll st- I'll stick with the sub five. Maybe I'll boost it up to a four. Okay. I I really do think though, on on Drake May. I think he's legit. I really do. I think he's you know I don't think he's better than Caleb Williams, but. When I watched him play in the Holiday Bowl, I think it was against Oregon, very impressed. He's so he's yeah. very good. I, I don't think th- I'm not discrediting Drake May. I'm discrediting yeah. what will happen around him. Anyways, uh, next we have at Nate Byers underscore underscore two underscores. Nate, Whoa, calm Nate, down. Relax. Nate. He says Stanford is bowl eligible for Taylor's <laughs> first season. Ten. No, I'm gonna go nine here. I'm gonna go with a solid nine. I you know. Never say never. Uh, shout out Justin Bieber, uh, but no, I don't see it happening. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go seven. I I'm gonna I'm not to be the contrarian twice in a row, but I just I just think that there's a situation. Stanford, we'll talk about it later in the show. Five guys drafted. There's a fair amount of talent on this roster. They could have another five guys drafted this year. Troy Taylor, I don't hate as a hire. Now, is there another scenario where they go two and ten? Yes, but. If they slipped into a bowl game, wouldn't be unheard of. Even their non-conference is tough, man. I mean, Notre Dame, Hawaii. Ooh. Is it on the road? <laughs> Hawaii's on the road. Oh, oh that's that's, that's a win. What I mean, it's not an easy that's, win. That's yeah. gonna. They're barely gonna win that by twenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you gave your rating, right? Cole, you said ten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, we have at basement underscore sports underscore fan. He says UMass wins three games this year. Let's get that twenty twenty three. UMass football schedule. So I don't have up. that memorized. Yeah, you should though. Okay, UMass. Here, I'm just gonna read off the games here. Their first game, they play New Mexico State, at Auburn, Miami of Ohio, at Eastern Michigan, New Mexico, Arkansas State, Toledo, at Penn State, at Army, Merrimack, at Liberty versus UConn. Okay. Not it would not be unheard of. The, he says they reach three wins is a bold take. He he says they reach three wins. Uh, four. I mean it's not super bold. Like we said, Merrimack. Come on, man. Uh, what else we got in there? New Mexico State being a road game. Eh, a little sketchy, you know. For, New Mexico. Some context. They only won one game in each of their last two seasons. They. I feel like they did okay in the portal, though. I. I saw they got like Stephen Ortiz. They a tra- did land like four U of A players. Yeah, it, you know why? It's because Don Brown is their head coach, mm-hmm. the former U of A defensive coordinator. So maybe he's had a little, you know, time obviously to to right the ship there. Still, I could easily see them getting to three wins. I'm not saying. You know, it's for sure going to happen, but solid four on the on the bold take. This meter. is a one for me. Oh, this wow. is going to happen. The schedule is just too awful. U- UMass U- is really bad, though. I can see the Merrimack win. I can see the who's the other New Mexico FCS team? is trash. Yeah, New too. Mexico New State. Mes- 
But I think that New Mexico game is a toss-up. Those teams are both so horrible. For I me, say it, they split. For me, they play New Mexico State and New Mexico. Yeah, I, that's a toss-up. Plus I'm gonna go five. Back. I'm going five. Five on the boldness scale. Hey, I just. What about? Okay, Eastern Michigan on the road. Arkansas State. Okay, they weren't very good. Last Arkansas year. State is better than UMass though. UMass is bad though. You How's Miami of Ohio? Pretty good. They're I think. pretty good. Yeah. They're always on the in the MAC championship picture. Liberty on the road, no way. You know what? It's actually going to be Auburn, Penn State, and UConn. The three wins. <laughs> They're three wins. All right. Next up, we have at Gav Waters, who says Oregon State wins the Pac-12. I'm going to go six on this one. I think uh, it could certainly happen, similar to how I said, if Washington things kind of break perfectly for them. If if Oregon State chooses the right quarterback and that guy is the key to unlock the rest of the offense and then their or and their defense, you know, continues to to be great. I could see it happening. I just think it's tough to get past USC, Oregon, and Washington, make it to the championship game, win that a lot of things have to happen. But that's again not a slight to Oregon State because They've been right in my conversation for Dark Horse the whole time. I just don't know if I see them winning the whole thing. Yeah, I would lean more towards 7.5 for this. Uh, I think there's a better chance of them making the conference championship, but winning it, too, is a, is a lot to ask for this team. And also, there's no divisions, so that yes. hurts it a lot. Yes. you got to finish top two in this stacked, top-heavy conference. Yep, I'm also going to throw a 6 on it. I am slightly ever so slightly higher on this team than I was like a month ago. A month ago I was starting to get pretty low on this squad but their defensive front has really improved a lot to counteract a depleted secondary. So I'm going to go six. Next up we have at Smooth 59 who says Arkansas goes 10-2 and two and plays in a New Year's Six Bowl. Ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go nine here. I, I don't see it. I think easy ten, man. Ten and two? No. I mean, hold on. Do they? Let me look at their schedule. No, I don't even have to look at their schedule. Oh boy. I don't. Is, that, that, is there like an eleven that we can say? Because they're not beating LSU, Bama, Florida. Yeah. I mean, they can. Be well, they played. They play Georgia. They play Georgia. They miss Georgia. They miss they Georgia. They should miss Georgia. I think okay. they played them last year. Oh, my um, God. Is the SEC... I'm going to stick with a nine just to give them the benefit of the doubt because I do think Sam Pittman's a great coach, and we forget Arkansas was horrific. They were down there like Kansas-level bad, at least to SEC standards a few yeah. years ago. Uh, they were right down there with Vanderbilt. Um, and obviously now they're maybe not totally restored to glory, but they're definitely on the upward trajectory. I really do not see 10-2 and two happening. Um, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. I mean, even the BYU game doesn't help at all. I mean, you could very nope. well lose no, that no. before conference play. That's that's 100% true. You throw a number on it? You said 10? Um, 11? I said 11. Okay, there we go, 11. Uh, we got at R.T. Schmidt. We all know who that is. Rally. He says, Scott Frost becomes an offensive coordinator somewhere and wins a conference title. Is there, a, is there like a timeline? No timeline. No time. no time the rest of history. Some point. Why not? Uh... He was a great offensive coordinator. You know, some guys, you look at Cliff Kingsbury, uh, other names are escaping me right now, but some guys are just better coordinators. I'll throw a, a five on this one. I feel Will like... Will Muschamp is another one. Will Muschamp. Perfect. Perfect example. Five. Four. I'm going to go two. 
to win the wow, conference. Wow, you gotta win the conference title too. I mean, yeah, he might be an OC and he might have a great season, but then you gotta expect that team to win the whole conference. But you just put a two on it, saying it wasn't bold. Oh, I'm at eight. Hey, then. There you go. Eight. <laughs> I'm at eight. <laughs> okay. And we've got the last one. At Gregory C. Rose says Michigan State will go nine and three. Tuck is coming. Not after. Not after they lost a bunch of guys in the portal. I mean, they, they're having a tough time keeping guys around. 9-3, uh, and three, I, I don't see it. I'm going to go 7 on this one. Um, wait, but that means it's not really a hot take. Or that means it, it is oh, a hot yeah, take. Oh, it is a hot take. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, don't tell me, Cole, you've been doing this backwards. <laughs> oh, God, I might have been doing this backwards no, the whole yeah, show. You, you were justifying your logic with the correct okay, good. stuff early. So My I, math is just <laughs> screwed here, but they're not – here's my answer. They're not going 9-3 and three with Washington and Taulia early on in the schedule. Okay, so what's the score? 10? 9? Uh, 8.3. There we go, 8.3. I'm going to say 9. I, I just don't. The vibes around Mel Tucker and Michigan State have not been great. But who knows? This is what Michigan State does as a program. We know much. It's, it's, Michigan State, I have the same feeling about, not feeling, I wouldn't say, but the same worry as Oklahoma State where I'm low on them based on all the factors I'm witnessing, but they're also two programs that will look horrible on paper and then just go out and win nine to ten games. So just keep that in mind. But... I honestly have too much money in my wallet right now, and I'm looking for a oh, way to spend that money. Too so, much money. So let's go to Colts Corner for some Lock of Chaos. Did you put money on CJ Stroud plus 450 for the second overall pick? I'll tell you what, if I did, I'd be a lot richer. You would, because that did cash. Um, but it's another week, another opportunity, and this week is the Kentucky Derby. Oh, It baby. is the Super Bowl of horse racing. Let's bet on some horses. The first leg of the Triple Crown. Okay, I'm riding with Angel of Empire. Okay, it plus 800. Uh, the leader right now is Forte, plus 300. The second best odds is Tap It Trice. I don't know how they come up with these names. It's always <laughs> outlandish. Nice. But Angel of Empire, okay, from what I've read, he's won four out of his past six starts. He has a great closing speed, so you need that. In the <laughs> final furlongs, you need a guy that's going to be able to close out. Okay. And his jockey, the guy riding the horse. The uh, short guy, right? Yeah, the short guy. His name is Flavian Pratt. <laughs> he won the Kentucky Derby with his horse in 2019, so he, there's an experience level to this whole team. Angel of Empire, book it. There's another thing this weekend. Cinco de Mayo. Hey! All right. Another thing that happens on Cinco de Mayo is uh, Canelo Alvarez. He's a boxer. Typically fights around this time, uh, honoring his Mexican heritage. Uh, he fights this guy. I don't even know his name, but he's a minus 1,800 favorite. But my bet is he gets the win within the first six rounds. So that would okay. be plus 220. Um, Michael Bosky said he's going to get a knockout within the first six rounds. Wow. So well, that's a ton. That, that <laughs> might be like plus 800. Uh, but the quote this week uh, comes from Drake. It's last name ever, first name greatest. Wow. Just, just mic drop there. <laughs> like a sprained drop. ankle boy. I ain't nothing to play with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just slowly do the rest of the song. <laughs> um... <laughs> We'll, we'll take a break from college football to talk about oh, the Drake. XFL. The XFL. Jordan Ta'amu and the D.C. Defenders will play Bob Stoops' Arlington Renegades in the XFL Championship game. 
Who do you think will win? Renegades. Renegades. Fighting Bob Stoops. Yep. How much XFL have you watched this year, Aiden? Uh, I think I watched a couple <laughs> snaps on TV. It was like AJ McCarron. I, I yeah. think it's impossible for a Hawaiian to win without an asterisk. So if DC wins, it's going to be like the most Mickey Mouse way, but I don't think they will because Cole being a happy sports fan just does not happen. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Hawaiian, though, because I have to root for happy sports fans. He's got to relax. He threw two picks last weekend. you got to be <laughs> careful. Okay, but his coach is Reggie Barlow. He was the XFL coach of the year, not Bob Stoops. Who was the uh, who was the USFL coach of the year last year? You guys remember? Bob Stoops. Mike freaking Riley. <laughs> Let's continue. Uh, NFL draft picks by Pac-12 team. Ducks led the way. Oh, I, let me sorry. Let me prelude. This is a Pac-12 show, guys. Oh, so it is? we let's talk about the Pac-12. All right, we're gonna get into our Pac-12 newsletter. <sighs> NFL draft picks by Pac-12 team. Oregon six, Stanford five, USC four, Utah three, Oregon State two, Wazoo Cal and ASU had one, and Colorado, Washington, Arizona with zero. What are the takeaways from these numbers? Hold up, Washington zero. Well, I guess that makes sense because they're returning everybody. Uh, you know, Stanford, when you look at the five, I think a lot of people associate. They're going to run the fire alarm in like a little bit. I'm going to get them to do it after your show. Okay. Thank oh, you. Okay. We're going to oh, get a fire goodness. alarm during we our show. We almost got interrupted by a fire alarm. Okay. Shout out to Amanda for negotiating <laughs> with the crew there. Um, <laughs> what a finale episode here in the studio. Oh, we have extra time, but apparently. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Uh, Stanford, you know, I'm actually not terribly surprised because Michael Wilson and Caillou Blue Kelly are two really great football players uh, that I think if you watch them, no surprise they're going to the league. But Tanner McKee got taken by the Eagles. I was a little surprised to see him get drafted. I, I thought he'd, you know, sign somewhere, but. A draft pick, I was a little surprised to see that. Just surprising to me that a team with the second most NFL draft picks in the conference was just one of the worst teams last season. Yeah, um, I go Bees. We had two draft picks. Great. Uh, UW, zero draft picks. You could look at that by saying, wow, no draft picks. You could look at that by saying, wow, they kept a lot of talent home. So there's a couple different ways to look at it, but I fully expect Washington and Colorado to have multiple picks. Uh, next year. Yeah. Um, let's skip over some stuff. Which Pac-12 team do you believe had the biggest stock rise in your opinion after spring? Just because the stock was so low to begin with, Cal, because we found out they have a competent quarterback. Sam Jackson, same answer for me. Um, based on watching the spring game, I went with Colorado. Just seeing the connection between Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter, I felt like, oh, okay, that offense could be legit, but then you realize, oh, that secondary might still be ass. <laughs> well, they have two amazing cornerbacks, Cole. Is Travis Hunter going to play both ways? I believe he will, yeah. And Jabril Peppers. And then you've got Cormani McClain as the other corner. For me, the concern is that defensive front from Colorado. They also have two insane linebackers they got through the portal. Exactly. The defensive front. Rough. Ceiling is the roof for them. There we go. Which Pac-12 team do you think had the biggest plunge in stock after spring? I mean, I looked at this purely from a national standpoint. Obviously, you know, I don't think any team was necessarily had a terrible stock plunge. I don't think it's possible. Really. Right. I mean, obviously, ASU got clowned a bit for the bad attendance. Colorado, a bunch of people were freaking out about the number of transfers. So I guess those two, but in all reality, not really. I went with Washington. Uh, oh. Maybe not a plunge, but a interesting. Uh, Phoenix had a multiple overthrows in this game. Uh, they had seven takeaways. 
um, the Washington defense did. So it just makes you question. I mean, the defense was the problem last year. But, man, just to see the offense struggle like this in a spring game, they didn't score until, like, halfway through this scrimmage, it said. Uh, that's a little concerning. Yeah. Um, nobody punched too hard for me. Usually, defense does a little bit better in the spring, just a little bit. Oh. And to see Arizona's offense cook against their defense like that, Delora throwing zero incompletions, that's a little concerning for me. It's like, wait a minute, this U of A defense was supposed to be greatly improved, so... Uh, not a good look. If anyone's stock took a hit, it was the kitties, in my opinion. Maybe Dolores is that good. Or maybe Dolores <laughs> the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, we're going to jump to mascot or mask not, end our final show before the fire alarms go off with a bang. Uh, and I'm going to list eight mascots. You guys are going to tell me if they are a mascot or a mask not. If you go five for eight, you win. There's a lot of pressure here because no one's ever lost mascot or mask not. You win a hat that you've already won. Okay, are you guys ready? Are you yep. in the right mental state for this? I'm yes. not in the right mental state. <laughs> <laughs> never is. All right. We're going to start with Manny the Water Mongoose. <sighs> I got mine. I got mine. All right. Go ahead. Mass, Mass Knot. Okay, and that is correct. Yeah. Mass Knot on the first one. Ma Manny the Water Goose is not a mascot. We've got Green Terror. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Mascot. Not. You said mascot. You I said mask not. not. And it was a mascot. Hayden All goes right. two for two from McDaniel's College. The Green Terror is a lovable, fuzzy green man McDaniel's that College. runs around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have Blue Blob. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I got mine. Okay. Yep. Three, two, one. Mask Knots. We've got a couple mask Knots. It is real! You Xavier. gotta be kidding me. Xavier has the blue blob as their mascot, uh, and there's no real explanation needed. It is a blue blob, also furry for some reason. Not sure huh, why that's the furries. common theme here. <laughs> um, we have Mavs Man. Huh. Mavs Man? Mavs Man. Okay. Basketball team. Potentially. Alright. Alright. Three, two, one. Mask not. You guys say mask not? It is a mascot! Oh my the God. Dallas Mavericks have a guy named Mavs Man that what? just dresses, he paints himself blue and runs around the stadium. So Colt, it might be one for four, Hayden's two for four. We're in a tough spot here. Next up we have Yum Yuppie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this would be ridiculous yeah. if this is All right. Three, two, mask one. Mascot. And it was a mask not. Hayden got it. Colt is one for five and I think already I just eliminated. I to be a mascot so bad. Yum Yuppie is not. <laughs> Although I have a description. He's a furry orange man in a hockey jersey. Um, next up, we have BJ Birdie. Okay. No way. <laughs> if this is a thing, that is unreal. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Mask Mas not. Mascot. And Hayden is correct. It's a mascot. The Toronto Blue Jays. This is no, no longer a mascot, but it was. Back in the day, they had a mascot called BJ Birdie. Don't ask me why they thought that was a good idea. All right. Next up, we have Sack the Squatch. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Right. This is the best mascot. Mascot. Yeah. I got my answer. I got mine too. All right. Three, two, one. Mask not. Mask not. And it is mask not. Okay. Congratulations. Hayden, what are you at? Is that five? Or five or six. Okay, so Hayden's done it already. Yeah. Colt, if you get this one right, 
I'll give it what to you. What was the name of the last guy? Sack the Squatch. <laughs> All right. The last one. We have Leafy Sea Dragon. Leafy Sea Dragon? <laughs> Leafy Sea Dragon. All right. Oh, I got mine. Okay. Right. Three, two, one. Mascot. It is mass nuts! Oh, what? No. It's just a type of sea dragon. A leafy sea dragon? <laughs> so Colt got two right. Uh, yep, Colt gets uh, a horrible failure. And hey, wh why not have Colt fail one last time in this studio? <laughs> yeah, we had oh, him yes. fail you know, left and right in uh, the spelling game. And, and, and it, I feel like it's only appropriate for him to go down uh, in the mascot <laughs> mass knot. I would have Michael Scott take us through our outro here, but the Megasec is so screwed up. I don't have a microphone. So the fire alarm <laughs> about to go off. So we're down to our last minute, our last 50 seconds in the studio. Any parting thoughts? You know, boys, this has been this has been an all-time experience. You know, I'd say Pacific Point of View might have been like the defining thing of college. And I know you guys graduated. I'm getting ready to graduate. We're all going to be done here. Uh, well, I'll be done here. So all of us will be alums. But. You know, what a time to be alive, you know, getting to getting to go to Cronkite and do what we love. So that's uh, that's it for me. And see you guys next week, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Now we're entering like the transfer portal of life and yeah. looking at professional contracts with big teams and real jobs. Uh, but this is something that I've absolutely loved and would love to continue to keep doing going forward. And uh, thank you guys for embracing me and looking forward to the next season of Pacific Point of View. Yeah, I mean, I've hated every second. No, I'm just, I'm just with you. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Uh, definitely improved the college experience, like Hayden said. And it's just, it's just, you're gonna miss, you're gonna miss the stench of the the radio yeah. station, the Bill Austin radio station, and and this wall and and the mega seg breaking. You're just gonna miss it. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure, boys. But. Uh, we will all see each other next week. This is uh, just see you later till next week. But <laughs> goodbye, goodbye to the to Bill the Austin Studio. Radio Station. And if that's all we got, I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And with that, we wave goodbye.